In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved Father Mark, Presbyter and Alex and all those who are joining here remotely. Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. We're blessed to be here again as a family. There's something special about the relationship between us as children of God. There's something that we're called to live and experience to a level beyond human relationships. But in terms of human relationships, the relationship between a mother and the child is unique. St. Nikolai Velimirovich talking about how mother and child relate, and by extension here we place the father on a, on a lower step than the mother, says there is an extraordinary bond that is based on two qualities on each side. The mother offers unequal love and sacrifice, and the child offers faith and obedience to embrace those. And St. Saint, Saint Nikolai here talks about how beautiful this is when sacrificial love from the mother and obedience and faith and trust in the mother comes from the child. How beautiful that relationship is. And to use his words here, is there anything more monstrous than a child that has no faith in his mother and does not obey her? At the human level, this most extraordinary relationship is based on faith and obedience from the child to the mother. And faith here, St. Nikolai says, is the path to knowledge, short knowledge, pure knowledge. Is the path that opens the dialogue, not just between the child and his mother, but between human beings in general. And it requires trust. It requires confidence. And when doubt and temptation come in between, they destroy that relationship. When faith has no doubt for the neighbor, then a man's soul is strong and in peace and joyful and his face is serene, smiling, joyful, happy. However, St. Nikolai says, Oh, what a sorry sight it is when two mortal men, both creatures of him who also created the angels, the seraphim, one speaks to the other to tempt him and the other, the other one listens with doubt. What an awful sight this is when we, that's you brothers and sisters, and I doubt the other. And you children, you doubt your parents. You question. This is something horrific that takes apart families, communities, the whole world, nations, doubting nations and everything else. But St. Nikolai says, but this is not all. There's something worse than this, than a human being doubting the other human being. 
there's something worse. There's only one sorrier sight than this. And that is when a created man listens to the words of the Creator in the Gospel, just like we do now, and doubt them. When we hear the Word of God and doubt it, St. Nikolai says, man's doubt in Christ is the ultimate revelation of man's sickness. When we doubt Christ, is the supreme ultimate revelation how sick we are in this great hospital of the world. Church is a hospital. The world has no medicine for this sickness of doubting Christ after listening to His Word. For the risen Christ is the only medicine. And if a man will not take this medicine, the Word... How can he be healed? How can he be healed? Well, this is precisely the problem that our friend Thomas faces today. Here we are, eight days, the eighth day after the resurrection of the Lord. And he, along with the, uh, with the other disciples, is found in the room. In the room. This is something important about the room. These are the ones who have followed Christ for three years. These are the ones who have been close to Him, as close one could be, except His mother, who sacrificially offered love and who received obedience and faith. These are the ones who were with Him as He entered Jerusalem, being proclaimed for the first time, praised as the King. And then, before actually before this, they saw Lazarus being resurrected. And then they were there for His arrest and passion, And then they chickened out when He was put on the cross. They saw Him dead. All the promises in their minds were gone. The teacher, the master, the promise of the kingdom to come. The King of Israel. Where is He? In the tomb. In the tomb. So the first night, at least they're obedient. They stayed in the city. But they're also fearful. And they gathered together in the room and locked the door. Locked the door with a great absence in their midst. Just like we proclaim the absence today, brothers and sisters, in the empty tomb. Our resurrection is about the, the, the absence of the Lord. So as they were there, the Lord appears to them, walking through the walls of the resurrected body, and gives them peace unlike any human can possibly mention. He gives what He has, The peace that brings joy, strength, courage, light, humanity, and divinity together. This is what He gave them to restore what they had lost through the Holy Spirit. It comes in two waves here. One for them to keep inside and the other one to take out into the world and have bring the peace with God to the world. And He commissions them to take care of us. Yeah, of you and I. Take care of us. When we repent and when we ask for the forgiveness of sins through their mouth to hear, my sins are forgiven. We're retained. So poor Thomas wasn't there. Although he went through this crisis situation, he was away when the Lord appeared to them and they rejoiced. 
And the eighth day comes, a week later, that is today. And Thomas was with them in, in the room, in the room. And we see here the disciples sharing with him the news. The Lord was with us. He's alive. And this man couldn't put it together. How can this be? How can this be that he abandoned me? How can it be that he showed himself to Peter, who denied him three times? And look at Peter now rejoicing, and I'm a mess. Thomas must have thought. In the words of St. Romanos the Melodist, one of the most beautiful um, composers of hymns in our church, he has a whole canon of, a, of this story of Thomas here. And this situation when Thomas is jealous. is jealous that the Lord appeared to them. And he doubted it. It's impossible. St. Romanos writes. It puts the words in the mouth of Thomas now. How shall I be able to believe you? For I hear unbelievable words. For had the Redeemer come. He would be seeking his servant. He would have sought me too. If he's indeed the Redeemer, he wouldn't have left me abandoned. He continues, If the day has, had dawned, he would not have appeared at the wrong hour when I wasn't here. If the shepherd has appeared, had appeared, he would be calling the Lamb. Once he asked, Where have you laid Lazarus? And now he has not said, Where have you left Thomas? You see, what big questions ran through his mind and how his doubt, his doubt now that seed grew to the point of him not believing the word of Christ that Christ preached to him for three years and him being in that situation that is the worst of all, the top of man's sickness to doubt the word of Christ. He could have fallen off on the side that is perdition. To lose hope, to doubt, and to lose faith. This was, was his situation. He keeps asking himself in the words of St. Romanos, But has he forgotten the one who wished to die with him? Remember before they went to Bethany to deal with Lazarus? Christ told them, I'm going to go there. And Thomas says, we're going to go with you. I'm going to die with you. How did he forget me? And he says, I remain unbelieving until I have seen. When I have seen and touched, I will believe and say, You are Lord and you are our Lord and our God. Here's the drama. Thomas lives the drama for all of us. His questions, in the words of St. Romanos, have negative, negative answers. Thomas, the Redeemer, did not forgive you, forget you. The shepherd did not forget you, the lost lamb. But the shepherd brought you back here at the same place, in the room. For you to know, get that kind of knowledge through your faith. Not the knowledge of mine, but the knowledge of the heart, through faith. That He's the Lord and God.
and that he is between the womb of the Virgin Mary and the tomb, who is now empty, whom he has both penetrated beyond our understanding. The Virgin, the Mary remained a virgin. The tombstone was not moved. Between the tomb and the womb, and today Thomas, not just between the womb and the tomb, but the room as well. And there's something important about the room. When the disciples are together, unlike us today, when we cannot be together in the same room, they were together and Christ stood in their midst as the focal point of their gathering, as He does today in our gathering. The room is the space where fear changed into joy. The room, the church now, is the place where the relationship between Thomas and his master is proclaimed to be a relationship between a servant and his Lord and about between a creature and his God. Thomas offers what the child offers to the mother. Total faith and obedience. But before this he had to deal with this doubt that was almost ready to throw him away after Judas. But the Lord did not leave Thomas. The Redeemer, the Shepherd, the one who taught them, the one who died for him on the cross. The sacrificial lamb comes again just for Thomas. He came the second time only for him. You see how much he loved him. And you see what he brings. If Thomas brings his faith, doubting it, and he brings his obedience, the Lord Jesus Christ, just like a good mother, above that, brings his sacrificial love. How? By showing him the wounds on his hands and on his rib. To show him, Thomas, this is how much I love you. This is the measure of my love to you. This is what we see today, brothers and sisters, in our doubts. And this is what we're invited to touch, as Thomas was. And he's rescued. He's healed from this dangerous illness of doubt that destroys not only human relationships, but relationships with God and the salvation of mankind. He's healed. One of the hymns, I think, in, in the Orthros Matters was talking about the room, or maybe in the, in the service of St. Romanos. Oh, blessed room! That room where these people are gathered, the disciples. What an extraordinary thing happened there! What a blessing! What a healing! How badly do we all need this, the whole humanity? And the first, is the second Sunday after Pascha, we have a healing the healing of Thomas. But brothers and sisters, 
There are people out there in the world today who are crying desperately for healing of their physical illnesses. Not just those recovering like our father Mark, the beloved father Mark, but those dealing with the virus. And there's doubt out there in the world. And if you search deep in your hearts, there might be doubt in your hearts too. And how sad this can be if it comes because of the room. The room where the disciples met, that is the church where we meet here today, the three of us. And with you challenged in your faith remotely. Allow me to quote from a, listen, a recent, recent note that I received from His Eminence Archbishop Nikitas of England. Talking about the experience that he had in England with his last, uh, in the church over the last weeks as the epidemic affects the whole world and we are under heavy restrictions, lockdown and so on. His eminence talks about four aspects of his life, of our lives, of the life of the church. The first one is the family. I'm quoting. The lockdown in most parts of the world has allowed for families to gather and sit in dialogue and conversation. Parents who often have limited time to spend with their children because of work and other commitments now found themselves being the teachers, playmates and partners in other projects. Family dynamics changed and the changes were hopefully for the better. These unusual, time, these unusual times allowed for parents, grandparents and children to build and construct new bridges. Father, mother and children all sat at the same table for meals. What a wonderful experience. These special moments should not be forgotten. Number two, Holy Week and Pascha. During the days that the churches have been closed for public worship, community members wanted to follow the beautiful services. Family members gathered in front of the computer and or television and watched the services together, just like you are doing now. Parents were able to explain to their children the Easter story. The services were no longer just lengthy services with little meaning. They became a living and meaningful pageant. Together, family members walked the path to the crucifixion and to the glorious resurrection. The whole family lived the story of the Passion. Number three, Holy Communion. Since the churches were closed to the public, many clergy and the faithful could not receive Holy Communion during Holy Week and Pascha. The consequences of the virus humbled us, and brought us to our knees. So strong were the results and consequences that the voices and the appeals to heaven grew louder each day. The desire and need for the holy gifts was best seen in the example of the doctor who asked for the priest to come and commune her, as she feared death was coming to take her. Perhaps, the, Metro the Archbishop says, we have been 
we have become so unworthy of the Eucharist that God did not allow us, clergy and lay people, to approach the chalice of life. Now we have to wait patiently for the doors of the church to open. Number four, and the last point, the holy light. People waited to receive the holy light and they were not allowed to do so. Many found comfort in the fact that they could light candles at home and follow the service of the resurrection. Parents and children gathered in front of, of the out, online service and together chanted Christos Anesti and the real light of Christ, that which dispels all darkness, was ablaze in their hearts. The light, quote-unquote, was not a simple flame that was passed on from one to the next in a sea of people, most of them who leave the church after the resurrection. It was the flame of love that parents gave their children and smiled and held onto the memory and cherished it. The light was not taken from the churches to our homes. It was already there and living in the hearts of simple people. The issue is that we never understood this. So, His Eminence brings us three questions to think of and meditate on. The real question is, how important is my faith to me? Along with this question comes the second one. What do I know, believe, and live as an Orthodox Christian? And one more. Am I willing to stand up and proclaim Christ in His resurrection? This was the word of His Eminence Archbishop Nikitas after the Holy Week and Pascha that brings to us a description in positive and challenging terms of what we all had gone through. Maybe you too. Some bright aspects, but some that cut deep to our hearts to that level of doubting Christ. Of doubting His Word that He will be with us until the end of the ages. As we heard today in the, in the Matthew's Gospel reading, from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the baptismal reading, that the disciples now, right before His ascension, were taken by Christ on the mountain to witness His ascension. And St. Matthew said, even then, 40 days after the Lord had been with them in His resurrected body, some doubted. Unbelievable. So, as we doubt, as we doubt, there are a few questions that come up here. The first one is about how we approach the Holy Communion and our contribution to this disaster in the world. Our brokenness, our sinfulness, and our ability and desire to repent and to be renewed. The other one is to see our ability to see in others the presence of God, Christ, and the light of the resurrection that burns in them. But the ones that His Eminence brings to us clearly 
of what faith means to us. Of how much we know about this around us. How much we put to heart. How we learn, how we worship, and how we live as Orthodox Christians. And finally, if we're willing to go like Thomas in the world, like the disciples, to proclaim the resurrection, are very serious. And the answer today comes from the broken heart of Thomas, who knew how to approach this with repentance that overcame his doubts. He never left the room. He never left the church. We get upset with one another. We get upset with the priest. We get upset with the bishop. Challenges given to us to grow. Thomas did not leave the church. He came back to the room, even though he had doubts. And he, for us, gives the answer on how to approach being away from the room. Abstinence from communion, from community, the way we know it and the way we need it. With humility, in repentance, bringing the doubts up to Christ. Because He loves every single one of us so much that He will come down, He will come down where we are, as He does today, to show us the sign of His love and His resurrection. It is in this resurrection that we gather today, us here in the church and you remotely. It is in this resurrection from the dead, the destruction of Hades and the giving of the new life that we can rejoice today, us here and you there. It is by His grace and love, more than the love of a mother for the son, which means sacrificial love, that He brings us together. It's only up to us to accept it with faith and in obedience. The hymn today taught us, Today spring sweetness fills the air. A new creation dances. Today the bars of doors and unbelief are removed. As Thomas the friend cries, My Lord and my God. Amen.